we grew it to $55,000 in monthly recurring revenue within two years. And in 2019, we sold it to a private equity company called SureSwift Capital. Like product market fit to me is this almost violent act of taking something and pushing it into this <laughs> existing market. But the idea is to have every step along the way, finding your audience, finding their problem, finding a solution, building a product, having a validation component to each of these four steps. Hello and welcome back to Indie Bites, the podcast where I speak to indie founders in 15 minutes or less. In this episode, we have Arvid Carl, who sold his SaaS, Feedback Panda, for a life-changing amount of money in 2019, just two years after founding the business and growing it to $55,000 a month. Arvid now writes on thebootstrapfounder.com. He's written the book Zero to Sold, and more recently, he's writing The Embedded Entrepreneur, which at the time of recording this, he was calling Audience First, which you'll hear us reference in the episode. Honestly, Arvid is one of the favorite guests I've ever had on this podcast, and I really struggled with editing down our 60-minute conversation into the best bits for this episode. I'll put the full conversation on the Indie Feast membership feed, which costs just £4 a month. IndieBytes.co slash membership to take a look at that. Today, we have Embark supporting the show. Embark is run by fellow indie hacker Julian Canlas and has just crossed six figures in revenue. Embark is an agency that offers productized SEO content that converts. It actually blew my mind when Julian told me about the growth of their client mentor crews had from the SEO content. It resulted in a 107% increase in MRR, 100% increase in monthly trials, and 114% increase in SEO traffic. My word, wouldn't you want those kind of results for your indie business? I know I would. Go and check out what Embark are offering at embark.io and get $100 off your first package with the code INDIEBITES, all caps, no spaces, at checkout. Let's get into this conversation with Arvid. So for a little bit of context, tell me the story of Feedback Panda, how you started it, and then what happened at the end with selling it. Don't I try to condense this because I can talk for half an hour <laughs> just on this one particular story. And it was with my partner, Danielle. She was an online English teacher and she was one of thousands of other online English teachers teaching for these Chinese online schools. And as much fun as the job was to sit at home and teach Chinese kids, it is still super stressful because you have student feedback to do and that's not paid, but you need it to get paid for the actual teaching. It's just a convoluted kind of bureaucratic process. And we built a tool that solved Danielle's problem to create mm -hmm. this feedback more efficiently and by extension solved every other teacher's problem as well because they all had the same problem. So we started that business in 2017. We bootstrapped it. We grew it to $55,000 in monthly recurring revenue within two years. And in 2019, we sold it to a private equity company called SureSwift Capital for, you said it, life-changing amount of money. And ever since then, yeah, I've been mostly talking, reflecting and writing about the learnings from that business and all the other bootstrapped adventures that I had in the past that didn't work out that well. But Feedback Panda was special because it was a really, really precisely tailored productivity tool for a really well-defined niche. Mm -hmm. And like most indie founder SaaS businesses are of that structure. They solve one problem really well for one super well-defined group of people. So I found a very eager audience to hear about my story and my learnings. And I've been like sharing and teaching and learning with them ever since. What was the ambition to build the company to sell it in the first place? Well, the, the ambition was never to sell the company, but it was always to build a sellable company. It's like a really small distinction there. But I had read uh, Built to Sell, the book by John Morrow, in, in which he talks about building 
a sellable business also means just really building a good business because any good business is sellable. So if you try to make it sellable, that will also be good. It's this parallel perspective on how a business should function internally. Lots of automation, lots of documentation. You can replace yourself easily. All these little things that he points out in the book, which I highly recommend as a starting read for anybody who wants to go into entrepreneurship because knowing where you want to go is it's like half the battle when it comes to this weird journey mm-hmm. where nobody really knows what's going to happen but just having these kind of little goals making a sellable business kind of can judge every decision you make is it going to make this more sellable or not so if the more of these decisions you make the more sellable it'll be but we never really wanted to sell the business until people knocked on our door and started offering us money because for us it was just really building a viable business that supported our lives absolutely and you tell the story of feedback panda really well and document a bit of it in your book zero to sold which you wrote after you'd sold the business and i recommend people pick up a copy but tell me a little bit more about why you wrote the book and what indie hackers and entrepreneurs can learn from reading it the idea i actually started with the blog good thing you mentioned that because i never really intended to write a book it just happened because i when we sold the business we both fell into this void of not knowing what to do if you're running a SaaS business at full steam just two people thousands of customers you're involved like you're really involved and then all of a sudden we sold it and then we had nothing to do. So I started thinking a lot about the business and about the the kind of processes and structures that we kind of un- unwillingly implemented to make our lives easier or even bearable. And more and more things came to my mind that I now finally understood for the first time, actually on an intellectual level. So I wanted to share this with people and the easiest way is to share it in writing. I took everything. I took like the first couple steps, how we took the idea to a solution, then how we talked with our customers when we had thousands of customers, anything in between, and even how we sold the business. I, I find a lot of founders with their businesses, they'll start out with an idea and we see this a lot. They'll start out with their own idea and they'll just build something. They'll just build or build it six months and they won't always validate it and they'll launch it and nothing. You, you, you see this quite often. And at the start of your book, you talk about finding a, a critical problem in a niche, in a market. How do you find that problem and within a market that is willing to pay for it to be solved? How many hours time do you have? The the <laughs> answer to this is either super short or it's super extensive. Let's go with the short one. It's you start with the audience. You start with the people, which now turns into the long one. That's the, the next book that I'm writing, currently writing, is the whole audience first approach. And audience first has been understood in the community to mean building an audience and then selling something to them. I believe it's something different. I honestly uh, think it's much more elaborate than just amassing a group of people and then yelling at them like holding something up because that, that to me feels like it's, it's a simplistic understanding of much more intricate kind of process what it really means to me an audience is people is people you want to help people you want to empower people you want to serve and if you start your business endeavor with this then everything falls into place much more easily than when you start with oh i'm gonna build tinder for cats right <laughs> it's just such a different perspective when you say okay I want to, let's take cat owners, right? If you really care about people who maybe like you really love the the feline creature, then you start with cat lovers and cat lovers, they have a community. They have forums, they have a subreddit, they have Facebook groups where they exchange like pictures of the animals or toys or food or health advice. There's communities all over the place. And instead of saying, I want to build Tinder for cats, you just say, I want to help people with cats. 
And then you start going into the communities. You start embedding yourself there. You start listening to people's problems. You're listening to their complaints, to their asks for recommendations, ask for products that people may already use and uh, yeah, product recommendations, all these kind of things. And you start making a list. You start making a list of what things come up more and more and are still unsolved. And then you dive into thinking of a solution. And that's not necessarily a product. You don't necessarily think of a SaaS immediately. You just try to think of how can I help these people with this critical problem that comes up so much that is still unsolved and people always complain about it, that it's so clearly a market there. Budget, another question. How can you find out about budget? Well, you look at what people spend money on, right? But if you don't check this stuff before you build your thing, if you start building, but you never looked at, do these people even exist? Do they even have this problem? And are they even spending any money on this problem? Or is it just something that they shrug off? If you don't do this, then you run the risk of building something that nobody needs. And that's the product first approach. That is the idea first approach that people have, right? They have an idea, they build it, and then they just try to press it into the market. Mm -hmm. Like product market fit to me is this almost violent act of taking something and pushing it into this <laughs> existing market. So I recommend going to where the people are, listening to them, understanding the challenges that they have, and then solving the challenges that they have that you explore there. You don't have to know it in advance. You just have to know who you're going to help. We'll absolutely touch upon building in public and that audience first approach. But I just want to pick a few points from what you said there around mm -hmm. finding that audience, finding that community, embedding yeah. yourselves into that community to then find problems that need solving. What do you think mm -hmm. about some founders or businesses where people go into a crowded market? And I'll, I'll take podcast hosting, for example. Mm -hmm. It's now quite a crowded market with, with a, a ton of different podcast hosts. And when people ask me to recommend podcast hosts, I'm, I'm, I'm not too sure because there's almost feature parity throughout. How, how do you go into a crowded market like that when there's not a huge problem to solve as such? Mm -hmm. I think podcast hosting is a really good example because th there's a relatable story somewhere in that, that I personally use Transistor FM for my podcast. Me too. And we probably both use it because Justin Jackson is mm -hmm. such a prominent figure. And we probably both use it because other people in our industry also use it. And that already should give you all, all the information you need. The, the brand that Justin and John built around their, their own podcast that they host on their own platform that talks about bootstrapping and talks about building a business. All of this heavily infuses the product. And... To a point where you support Transistor FM with your money, your monthly payment, because you kind of like Justin and John, right? It's There's a path for bootstrapping, for self-funded indie founders to build this kind of du dual brand where the product is a brand and the founder is a brand and they are both distinguishable but highly connected. And that is what building in public does. It elevates you as the founder and it also elevates your brand as something that came of that process of building in public. Yeah, I've certainly had a, so much value from people building in public and sharing their ups and downs, whether that be on Twitter, or on their blog. And how, how were people that aren't too sure who their audience is or who they want it to be? How would they go about finding one? Great. That's a great question, because that is one of the most interesting things that I, that I wrote about in the book. Like the process of actually discovering your, the audience you wanna serve, that's something that most of us don't ever do. We just 
pick one by random chance or because it's convenient. And I figured out, why don't I just list all the communities that I think I'm part of? And it was software engineering, obviously, it was bootstrap founders, it was writers, and then I just went down the list and it turned out that I'm kind of part of 30 or 40 different groups of people, all with their own interesting problems, all with their own budgets for solutions to those problems, and then ranking them and figuring out which one of them is the actual best one to start building a business for. And the idea really is do some introspection. Instead of just going with the first thing that you think you should serve, because that's the audience that you've been part of for most of your professional life, take a step back and really make a list by just looking into your family and looking into your own hobbies and stuff. Like, like I said, software engineer, founder, bootstrapper, writer, a person who really likes aquariums, painter of miniatures, video games, people who really enjoy coffee in the morning, people who really enjoy mushroom-infused products at any time during the day, people who are interested in plumbing, in construction, in social services. Like The list can go on and on because we all connected with these audience in some way or another, either personally or by inference. So having this list and then starting to rank it for how much do I care about each of these audiences, how much opportunity is in each of these audiences, is there a big enough market if I start solving problems here and how welcome would a solution be? Do they even have a budget? All of these steps together will create a ranked list in the end for, of which you can pick one of the top audiences and then you have one pre-validated audience. And that's the whole point of this step. But the idea is to have every step along the way, finding your audience, finding their problem, finding a solution, building a product, having a validation component to each of these four steps. I, I think that's excellent. I, I was just thinking, my, my mind was going as you were saying, I, I just wrote down my list of communities I'm, I'm a part of because it is really diverse. Yeah. I've got motorbikes, EDC, football, coffee, tennis, cars, marketing, podcasting, video equipment, e-commerce, cats, and, and my yeah. local town, Canterbury. It can also be more specific, right? The, the moment you, you go into your local town, it could be volunteering. Or it could be city infrastructure, or it could be it could be anything that is more even more specific than this, which is great about this list because you know, can always expand on it. You can always make it longer and can always like be more specific, find more niches in the niche audiences that you already have, and it's something permanent. So you can go back to it a couple of years from now and see if you're still interested in this, and if you may have found maybe another audience that is more adjacent but more kind of compatible with what you want to do. I end every episode on three recommendations: a book a podcast people should listen to and an indie hacker or an entrepreneur people should follow to, to be inspired by. All right. So the book I'd recommend would be The Mom Test by Rob Fitzpatrick. Podcast. Honestly, the Indie Hackers podcast is one of the most influential podcasts of my life. So I will recommend it here. Although, although I know that there are many other extremely good ones and Indie Hacker. Okay. Let me suggest Sergio Matei. He is a very, very prolific indie hacker. He's building Makerlog. But I would also recommend your book. I'm, I'm going to say if anyone wants to get a copy of Arvid's book and they don't have it, the first five people that, that message me, I'll, I'll get them a copy of the book. Aw, that's so sweet. It's a good book. I really enjoyed it. And I think a lot of people should. And if you haven't gotten it, you want to read it, just send me a DM on Twitter and I'll get it for you. I appreciate your time, Arvid. Um, I'll put links in the show notes to everything we've discussed, links to your, your products and, and Twitter where, the, where people can follow you. Thanks so much.